The Unpacked Podcast, Episode 6, Curing Clutter. Welcome to a fresh episode of The Unpacked Podcast. I'm Jordan Shirkman alongside my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hey, Nikki, how are you doing today? I am doing so great. I was reminiscing today about the summer we were in a room of people where I was the only minority. I was one. I think there were eight or nine of us, and I was the only person that didn't have this thing in common with everyone else. And that thing was? I had never read Harry Potter. How can you call yourself a product of the 90s without reading Harry Potter? I know. Well, this is coming from a kid who celebrated Hallelujah Night instead of Halloween. So You did that. I because, did. Yeah. I mean, I think that we as Christians can sometimes, it kind of takes some time for us to swing to the middle of what a right view of certain things is. So we get, you know, like when Harry Potter first came out, everyone was freaking out in the Christian, not everyone, but a lot of people were freaking out in the Christian world because it was witchcraft. Exactly. So maybe the topic of Harry Potter would be a topic for another show. A controversial one. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's really controversial anymore, but f- if it came out like 10 years ago, it would maybe be a little bit more controversial. Okay, I'm a little behind on the it, trend. If we used I a time know. turner, shout out to Hermione Granger. But it's been so good. I'm on book four now of seven. My favorite book. Book number four is Jordan's favorite. Which I don't fail to remind you like every day. <laughs> he does. And I just continue to ask you where you're at because it's it's such a it's the most unique, I think, which is why I it's like it. It's kind of cute how you feel about it. Oh, the book? Yeah. Yeah. The book's also kind of cute. But it's fun. And we've been simultaneously, well, I inspired you to reread them, but you've well overlapped me on yeah. reading them because you're so stinking fast. But I just know how good it is. So I just, I can't stop. And you read, when you read a book through the second time, you read it a lot faster because you're already familiar with it. Yeah. I'm trying to say, I'm trying to savor it more, but it's hard because you just don't want to stop reading. And then once I finish whatever book I'm on, we watch the corresponding movie, which, okay, everyone always says the movies are never as good as the books. And usually I'm like, eh, this time, oh Not my goodness, it is a sore disappointment. Yeah. We just, we don't even really watch the movie. We mostly just protest throughout about how bad the movie is in comparison to the book. The whole time. That doesn't happen in the book. That's not how it happened. No. They didn't say that. And just, okay, can we, this is going to turn into a Harry Potter episode (laughs) if we don't watch out, which is kind of, this is a little, maybe a preview because a few episodes ago we said we were going to do a show about clutter. That's today's show. We're going to get to that shortly. But then we didn't talk about clutter on that episode. We talked about something else. So today we're not actually talking about Harry Potter, but we can't help but talk about Harry Potter. The ending of the second movie is so awful. Oh my goodness. If you've if you've seen the movie, it ends with everyone clapping for Hagrid, which doesn't make sense at all and has nothing to do with the book. Hagrid did nothing. Hagrid didn't do anything but show up and everyone doesn't even love Hagrid. Only a few of the Gryffindors do. All right, we got to move on because if not Serious I'm going to rabbit trail. Yeah, I'm going to get upset if not. Your veins are bulging a little here a little. Yeah, I'm sweating. You feel passionately I broke a about sweat. Harry Yeah, I, I kind of dream that they'll remake the Harry Potter movies one day and that they'll be like eight hours long a piece so that we can see them in their full glory. That's really what it would take to get the full depth that you get in one of the books. There's just so many details. Okay, yeah. anyway, 
First, we want to start off by thanking Wendy, our most recent reviewer of our podcast on iTunes. She left a very kind review in which she said nice things, and we didn't even pay her to say those nice things. We didn't. So we were very encouraged by that. And your feedback reminds us of why we do this. So just a reminder that you can leave an iTunes rating at unpack.co slash iTunes. That'll take you to the iTunes store where you can leave a review of our podcast. That helps other people find our podcast, and it helps us make a bigger impact. So thanks for, for your kind words and encouragement, Wendy. And maybe you, person listening right now, could be the next person we'll give a shout out to based on your review of our show on iTunes. And today we're going to start to talk about decluttering our lives. This is a rather timely subject for us as we're packing up our lives to move overseas. So there's a lot of things that are just getting the axe that we're saying goodbye to, getting rid of and clearing out our house. And it is incredibly refreshing. Yeah, we are on just a mission to get rid of the stuff we don't use. We we recently attacked our closet and then we attacked so that was our clothes and things then we attacked another closet full of other stuff and we just gave a lot of stuff away bookshelf people we had a little just take what you want for our friends and family who stopped by one day so we are we're cleaning things out so we're trying to practice what we preach here but yeah today as we talk about this i think there's there's a lot of spiritual implications for clutter but it's just something that as americans it just feels impossible to not have clutter. We live in a hoarding culture where we just hold on to things. We feel like we have to hold on to things. We don't want to be inconvenienced. We There's have a lot shows of about people who hold on to things. Yeah. So it's it's just it's a reality of twenty fourteen. We have more money than we know what to do with and we spend a lot of money on things that we don't necessarily need and then we keep around and then they clutter our house and stress us out. Or at least they stress me out. So a lot of the things we're gonna talk about today. We uh, follow the blog Zen Habits, which is a, a site by a guy named Leo Babauta. I think is how you pronounce his last name. I never know. But sorry, Leo, if that's not how you pronounce your last name. And he talks a lot about living simply and decluttering and things. It's definitely from a Buddhist worldview. So there are a lot of spiritual things that we disagree with him on because we're coming from a Christian worldview. But at the same time, I think there's just a lot of practical things that are just really helpful for us to to kind of simplify our life. And so... We made a conscious decision before the show started to not talk about simplifying our life in every aspect. That could be a show maybe later down the road. But right now we're just talking about kind of clutter in general, kind of in the physical and in the mental space. And a, a lot of things definitely we have riffed off of, kind of have been inspired by some things from Zen Habits. So we're going to talk about that. So Nikki, I think where we got to start is why, why do we want to reduce clutter? Like why even bother with that? The most important question, because if you don't believe you need to, or don't feel like you need to, you won't. So I think some of the things that come to mind for me on why reduce clutter, one, it's a lot less stress, I think is one of the biggest things and that is in a lot of different areas, but it just causes less stress in your life when there's less things to manage and take care of. Yeah. One of the things that's stressful for me is thinking about all of the things I need to charge before I go on a trip. Like you have your phone or your tablet or your Kindle or your computer or your Fitbit or there's just a million things that I'm just like, oh my goodness. If I could reduce the amount of things I have, that's just such a small example. But yeah, it is just stressful having a lot of stuff. And then just when when I walk into a cluttered place, I I don't hyperventilate, but I feel like I could. It's a little overwhelming. Yeah, there's just too much 
too much stimulation for me. I just can't take it. Another reason I reduce clutter, I think about, I, I saw this statistic that Americans spend $24 billion per year on self-storage space. So there's a little, you know, you store it places, places where you can store things. That's how much we store it just to keep the crap that we're not even using right now. You know, it's one thing to use those when you're like moving or in between houses, but people are just on a year-to-year lease of those places. They have shows about this too where people don't pay and then they get all their stuff taken, whatever. But yeah, so you just, you spend less money when you have less clutter because you can actually fit it inside your house. Which also contributes to there being less of a mess in your house. If you have less things, there's less stuff to put away every day or keep track of or any of that that just can really clutter your mind and your house. So it's just less mess to pick up after. Less effort too. I think about I'm the my des one of my designated family chores is dusting because you have a lot of allergies and when you dust the dust gets in your nose and you feel crappy. So that's one of the few things I actually do to help around the house because you are a, a, a machina as our Spanish speaking friends mm-hmm. would say. But yeah, it's just less effort. Like when I think about having all of this stuff that I have to pick up and dust, I'm like, all right, we need to get rid of like all the stuff on our shelves and tables so that I don't have to pick it up and I can just dust. <laughs> it's so true. Dusting is a good motivation to not want to have as many things too. And then you don't have to dust the thing. You just throw it away or give it away. Exactly. With the dust on it. Exactly. And even too, it's less mental effort. I feel like for me, I'm so distracted mentally when the house is cluttered or there's things everywhere. It's really hard for me to sit and focus. So mentally, it impacts me significantly to just be able to look and see everything in order and organized and clean. And that's a lot easier to do with fewer things in your house. I think you're just in general more efficient when you have less clutter. Like you don't, I don't know how to really quantify that, but just qualitatively, I guess. Just like, man, when I don't have all this stuff in my way or all these things bouncing around in my head or all these things to keep track of or all these things to find places to store, I can just, I can just do what's important and not be distracted by the junk in my life. So good. And then you're also more efficient because you, if you have fewer things, there's fewer items you have to sort through to find what you're looking for. And the fewer things you have, the more well-organized it'll be. So, you know, in this drawer, I'll find this rather than the catch-all drunk dra- junk drawer, tongue twister, that most Americans have in their kitchen. I yeah, and then you can't find the thing that you're looking for. Yeah, I think in general, it's just things are things look better when there's less clutter like I've, I've just never walked into a cluttered place and like oh wow this looks great and there's just stuff everywhere and you just can't really appreciate the beauty of things when they're overflowing like we love bookshelves but a bookshelf that is completely overflowing with books is like can't even appreciate that thing because mm-hmm. there's there's too much taking away from it and it's more peaceful I think I really feel this especially in this season of our life, working from home a lot more and it's just overwhelming when there's stuff everywhere. So I feel just really at peace when we have fewer things because I'm not trying to manage more items or clean our house because there's not as much to do and I just feel at rest. And if people decide to come over last minute, I don't feel overwhelmed having to organize everything, hurry up and clean our house in the five minutes before they get here. Or maybe they just knocked on the door and showed up. And if your house is already decluttered, then you have nothing to stress about. 
less stress again, more peaceful. And then just simplicity. I just appreciate simplicity in things. And kind of a question we might explore a little bit later is, is simple always better? But I think in general, with a lot of things, simplicity helps and simplicity, simplicity makes things easier. So those are a few of our reasons and kind of some of those from Zen Habits as well, why we think reducing clutter is super helpful. But why do you think we let clutter build up? You know, maybe at a personal level and just people in general, like why, why does that happen? I think one of the biggest things, and I know especially for me, is the sentimental value that things hold. So if my mom got me this particular t-shirt or this picture frame was from grandma from our wedding or fill in the blank with any of these things that you just feel a sentimental connection to or there was something that was really significant about them in your past, I think it's really hard to let those things go. And so a lot of the things that we acquire and items that we keep are because they have a significance to us at a heart level. Yeah, especially family heirlooms and things like that, things that have been passed down. It's hard to just chuck those or give them away. You feel like you're you feel like you're just letting someone down. I think something I heard before is that and I think this is probably even from Zen Habits that your grandma is not the frame that she gave you. You know what I mean? That that does not encapsulate your relationship with her. It was a thoughtful gesture. It's kind, but I don't think your grandma would want you to keep something that is stressing you out or something that is going just collecting dust. Like you're not honoring your grandma by keeping that frame in the closet under a pile of junk. So, yeah. but yeah, I think the sentimental aspect, I think we've been trying to like kind of scan cards that people have given us and just like take pictures of them, save them into Evernote. And we're going to talk a little bit maybe about that, but just saving snapshots of things that people have given us, especially cards and encouragement because we want to remember that. But at the same time, like we just don't want to have 20 years worth of cards <laughs> stored up in our house. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, the sentimental aspect is, is probably one of the biggest things that's really hard for people to move beyond. And then I think it's just a lot of effort to get rid of stuff. You have to go through this process of, okay, what is all this stuff? You know, it's, it's hard to not bite off more than we can chew to like, okay, I'm going to declutter my house. It's like, well, that's kind of a lot of work. So maybe let's just start with a drawer or let's start with our car or our glove box. And then, yeah, I think it's, it's just about breaking it down, but it just seems like such a unwieldy task that we, we can't even go about starting to declutter because we just have too much. And a lot of that stuff we have because we feel or think that we need it. And with that, we won't be able to do without it. And this will vary for people depending on what they do in life and what their hobbies are, things that are needs that for other people wouldn't be. But I think we would surprise ourselves if in getting rid of things, how much of it we really miss or we realize, oh, I I can do without that once it was gone. You don't really miss it or you see that it wasn't a necessity. Yeah, I think for things that you use once a year, or things that are just rarely used. It's like, well, there might be a time when I need it. And we just don't want to be inconvenienced and not have it. But at the same time, we're like constantly moving around this, this whatever it is. I always think of like random tools that I might need. And I'm like, well, I'm not, you know, the handiest person by any stretch. And I don't have a tool shed or anything like that. But I know that I could borrow something from someone if I needed to. And so it's it's kind of like, I don't want to put someone out. I don't want to inconvenience someone. I don't want to be inconvenienced to go and have to get the tool and then take it back and all those things. But at the same time, I'm just like, man, I don't need a table saw. 
Like I cut a board once a year and that is not a reason to sink that much money into this giant piece of equipment. So I think it's just really weighing like, uh, do I need this thing or could I, could I give it to someone and then just say, Hey, could I borrow this from you whenever I need it? That's, that's kind of like my ideal. That's what I always joke about saying with, with a boat. I would never want to own a boat, but I love it when close friends and family have a boat because I love boating and I'm grateful for them inviting us. But thanks, Dad. Yeah, both both dads really have boats, yes. so yeah, it's convenient for us. Okay, last thing that I think that why clutter builds up for people is because of the home size in America. So I found a we're really into the statistics. We're trying to trying to prove our point today, but I found this statistic on home sizes in America. I'll I'll put the link in the show notes, but in 1950, the average home size in America was 983 square feet of, of new homes being built. 20 years later in 1970, the average size was 1500 square feet. So that's, you know, just under a 50% increase. Another 20 years later in 1990, 2080 square feet was the average size of new homes being built. Another 24, 24 years later in 2004, 2,349 square feet is the average size of a home's being built. 14 years later. Just to not confuse the reason. Oh, 14 years later. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I was doing bad is, math. That is crazy to think about. I mean, the size of a home in 54 years has more than doubled. And yet we are spending $24 billion a year for extra space storage. And people have less children now. Yeah, it's just uh, that's just a fact too. There are less; those families are smaller now, and so and the houses are bigger. And the houses are bigger. So obviously, when you have you know two and a half times the size of the home that you that people fifty years ago had, you have more stuff in that house, and it's easier to keep stuff. And then yeah, like you said, on top of that, we're still spending twenty four billion dollars. Even just talking about this, I now I'm like, okay, how how do I declutter? Where do we start? How do we get going? Because I feel tense even just talking about the reality of it all. Yeah, after this episode, we're probably going to go and declutter our, ourselves. Absolutely. Not our, our persons, but our, our house where we live. So I think, yeah, kind of like what I said earlier, I think we have to start small. We love to bite off more than we can chew. We love to just try and tackle a massive project, but that is, you're just going to stall out. You're not going to have the energy to do it. So I think it's just saying like, all right, what's one corner of my house or what's one just little place that eh, it would be nice to have it cleaned out, but it's not going to completely overwhelm me. So like the junk drawer, classic. Mm. Start with the junk drawer, pull everything out, decide what you definitely want to keep, what you definitely want to get rid of, and then a maybe section. Yes, I think that's good. And then once you have the piles, and we even have been doing this for packing and moving, is we have, I put literal notes on the walls that are taped up there that say, give away for us storage because we're not taking everything with us and then what we want to take over with us and just having those piles makes it even now you're organizing your decluttering which seems very OCD but I love it because you have a system and then you're not getting confused of what goes where once you're done clearing it out everything in the giveaway pile just put in your car take to goodwill or drop off at the shelter wherever it is that you know you would take things yeah, and then I think, so we you start small, give stuff away, you know, save some stuff, maybe have a maybe pile of stuff that you could like put it in a box for a few months and if you don't pull it out, just give it away. And then a tip that I saw was to not even open the box. Like if you if you put something in there and you haven't used it, all the stuff in there, don't open the box that you're tempted to keep it, just give it away. You'll forget what was even in there. That's so good because even we've had a pile out 
that we just gave away to family and friends that stopped by. But even as I was setting it out for them to look at, there were a couple of things that I changed my mind on where I was like, oh, wait, no, I think I want that. And at the time, I didn't care at all. I was really, I was like, I don't need this. We're not going to want it. By the time we're back, just get rid of it. And I caved. You kept it? You didn't even tell me that. Yeah, you saw them today, the placemats. Oh, the placemats. They're cute. And they, yeah. But anyways, it happens. But it's so nice. So then once you get rid of all these things, then you can reorganize the space that you just cleaned out. So I cleared out my desk because that was an area where I had a lot of little papers and things thrown in throughout the year. So I took out every single drawer, one by one, emptied everything, put it in the piles to give away, take, or keep out for now, and then reorganized each drawer so that it was in order. That probably felt pretty good. So good. So you can do that with any room in your house. We did that with our bookshelf, with our side closet, with our clothes closet. And then it's easier to keep things organized once you have it all cleared out and it's just the essentials in there. Yeah. So the reorganization part, you you have to do that at the end. Don't just throw all the junk back into the junk drawer. Go to a dollar store and buy some little bins or dividers for a drawer or whatever. It's worth investing a couple bucks sell some of the junk that you're going to get rid of. We, we're not even really going to breach that topic of like having a yard sale or selling stuff on Craigslist. I mean, for me, I don't know if it's always worth it. I think when you, especially if you're just selling little stuff, it's like, uh, is like making 50 bucks at a yard sale worth it for 20 hours of effort to get it all organized and put up the signs and do all that stuff? No, I don't, not for yeah, us. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, in general, it's just a lot of effort. It's like, well, just work a couple extra hours and that'll make up for what you were going to do at a yard sale. That's right. <laughs> and just don't buy the stuff in the first place. We're going to get to that because you would save a lot more money than selling it for pennies on the dollar at the yard sale. I think... I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I think an area that women... I'll put us in the stereotype here that we probably have the hardest time getting rid of is our clothes or sorting through that. Is that hard? It is because you... Some things I've had since... I'm not kidding, middle school. I have some clothes that I have kept that long that I still wear actively. But then I have other things that I bought last year that I maybe wore once the day after I bought it and it's been sitting there in my drawer ever since. So I think it's just hard because you want to have variety. Girls have a lot of a lot more options when it comes to clothing or layers that we wear than guys do, I think. Accessories, you know, tank tops, vests, whatever. And so it's harder to get rid of these things because you envision yourself one day, you have this somehow memory in your mind of, oh, there'll be this party or this get together when this outfit would be perfect. That event may never actually happen or it would come. And by the time it comes, you're, you don't want to wear it and you're tired of it. And I heard this, we were actually talking about this with my mom the other day, but that you wear 20% of your clothes, 80% of the time. I think I said that right. Yes, that would be the Pareto principle in general, which is the idea that 20% makes up 80% in a lot of areas of life. But yeah, in business, you know, 20% of your customers account for 80% of your sales, 20% of your clothes account for 80% of what you wear. Yeah, that's a general rule of economics. Yeah. I don't know if it's mostly anecdotal. I feel like there's not always a lot of yeah, data to back it up. But Hard I think in general that's that's very accurate. And I think that's pretty accurate, I'd say, for even for my clothes. But it's hard also when you live in a place like the Midwest or Slovenia where you have all four seasons. So you're wearing you know, at least two different types of clothing throughout the year. And so kind of three things when it comes to 
approaching your closet and wanting to declutter it is asking, do I love this? Is it something when I pick it up, I I just pulled it out of the dryer because I wore it so recently or it's something that um, I really enjoy. So do I love this would be kind of the first mark of approaching your closet. Yeah. And these questions are from this book called The Essentialist, which I recently read and would love to do a show about sometime, but it's just about the whole philosophy is less but better in life. So the the second question of the essentialist approach to closets after do I love this is, do I look great in it? Which is kind of a weird question for me to ask myself. <laughs> it's not really a thing I think about when I'm personally putting clothes on. I think, oh, does this fit? All right. Yeah. And that's but. probably where it comes down to is if people are trying to lose weight, so they're keeping the skinny jeans mm. in hopes of one day being able to fit into them again, which I guess there could be some mental motivation in that where that really works, but maybe not keeping an entire wardrobe full of, of clothes that don't fit, hoping to fit back into them one day. That's, yeah, it's a good approach. And then the last thing is, do I wear it often? I think that's probably the most helpful question of, you know, have I worn this in the last six months, in the last year, in the last three years? kind of kind of along the sentimentality lines i had some t-shirts from high school and i'm like what am i doing with these t-shirts i'm never gonna wear them i i don't care about these t-shirts but at the same time it's like but it's kind of important to me so the classic thing to do with t-shirts at least in our neck of the woods is to have them converted into like a quilt which is pretty cool but i'm like do i really want that quilt even with all these <laughs> old know. t-shirts and it's kind of weird i don't know We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We just have them in storage right now. Some things, but we still got rid of a lot. And there's all different types of ideas out there for evaluating what clothes you wear. The hang all your hangers the opposite way on the hanger. So they're really kind of almost like an underhand grip on the bar, if you will. If you're going to do a chin up. If you were going to do a chin up. Yeah. Exactly. And then once you wear it, turn the hanger around. And then after three months, four months, depending on your seasons, evaluating and looking you can look in your closet and you don't have to do any kind of mental work and just see which hangers I wear and which ones didn't I pull them out look at it and get rid of the ones that you didn't yeah that's a good idea I am not organized enough to ever do that I, I, everything in my closet is just like chaos and so it's just it's hanging there or it's folded but it, I could never keep track of things by if the hanger is forward or hooked from behind but it would work for some people organized people like you you would definitely be able to make that work. Another question I like is, if I didn't already own this, how much would I spend to buy it? So if you have this super nice shirt that costs you a hundred bucks, but you're like, I wouldn't even pay a buck for it. Maybe you should, maybe you should give that away mm-hmm. because you, you wouldn't even pay a dollar for it now. So I think that, yeah, the cost, the sunk cost issue is there too. Like I spent so much on this. So my advice would be don't spend so much on your clothes. That's pretty easy for me to say, though, because clothes are pretty unimportant to me. The equivalent would be telling you don't spend so much on technology. And I would say I wait for my apps to go on sale <laughs> in my defense, which is what I do for my clothes, too. But when I when things do go on sale, I stock up on them. Another big difference we had when we were dating, Jordan has never spent, well, probably not until me, but had never spent paid full price for an item of clothing. I, I still don't know that I have. If I did pay full price, it's at a place like H&M where it's just cheap. Mm-hmm. So like $10 for a shirt. And that's technically full price, but... It's a good deal. It's a good deal. It's amazing. Yeah. I, it's a low priority for me. Everybody's got their thing. Clothes isn't one of them for me. So letting go of a lot of clothes is pretty easy for me when I cleared out my closet. Now I, 
now I only have like three shirts. So I'm a, I'm a very simple man. You are wearing things often. Yeah. Which is kind of inconvenient for the person who does the laundry, which would be you, which I'm grateful for. You're welcome. Now we're going to talk about quick tips on reducing clutter. So we've kind of talked about some specifics or some ideas on why we accumulate clutter, why we should want to get rid of it. And so as we've just talked about, only keeping the clothes you wear. And I rotate out my closet too by season. So I keep all my sweaters in a bin in the closet when it's the summer because then I can more clearly see the clothes that I actually do have and they're not in the way. And then swapping out my tank tops for the sweaters in the winter. I, this is interesting. I heard someone do this one, at one point. They only ate the food that they had left in their pantry and wouldn't go grocery shopping until they finished everything. So that would be a pretty tricky thing to do. It would be, especially because we don't eat a lot of processed foods. So produce, I mean, you could just go to the store and get that, but. But even if you didn't, I, we could live off the stuff we have for a pretty long time. I mean, we would, yes. we would be able to. We have a lot of cans of things. I think food is a huge clutterer. And I'm just like, how do we, where did this come from? Like, do we even eat this thing? Like, why do we buy this? (laughs) It's so, it's strange, but you can just end up with so much extra food. And that's why food drives work so well. I'm like, what? People are just bringing in stuff that they had in their cupboards that they don't even eat. And it helps other people, but it's just like, why did, why don't we just not buy that food in the first place? You thought you were going to make a recipe or it was on sale or you're an extreme couponer. Just some things that people might say. I I could never be an extreme couponer based on how they just stockpile stuff. Like the the amount of clutter, even though they're, the grocery store is paying you a dollar to buy toilet paper, mm-hmm. I don't want 700 rolls of toilet paper in my in my closet. I don't want to have to build a storage area in my basement to save all the free stuff I got. I would rather pay with money than with my mental capacity. That's a good thing to weigh and decide. I could never be on that show. No offense if you are though. I can see the look of anxiety in your eyes as you just sit and even imagine that. Yeah. But I mean, if, if you're into couponing, I think people do cool things with it and they give a lot of food away and it's really helpful, but I just, it's not my spiritual gift of uh, stockpiling stuff. I couldn't do it. Anyway, a thing that we had already mentioned when you talked about clearing out your desk and what we talked about with people giving us cards and things and writing us really kind notes was, is I think creating a system for your, all your papers is huge. And so I'm a fan of this podcast called Mac Power Users. And there's a guy on there named David Sparks. And he wrote a book called Paperless. And that book is all about how to kind of make your world into a paperless world where you don't have to save the papers, but you can scan them into your computer and save them and back them up and all that stuff so that you can get rid of the paper and then it's all just stored digitally, which digital clutter is a totally total another topic that we're not really even going to breach, but computers get clogged up with all kinds of stuff. But there's two episodes that we'll link to in the show notes of Mac Power Users where they talk about paperless. So episode 85 and then uh, a workflow show of talking about how to how to go paperless in episode 172. So we'll have links to those in the show notes. But I think being able to reduce the amount of paper you have is huge. And only keeping on hand, you know, the essentials like your social security card and your birth certificate and marriage license and things like that. But other than that, not papers from college when I graduated three years ago. I just, I don't need that and I could just scan it. 
but you need a system to do that. Systems for all things. Systems. Very good. Yeah. I like having systems. Yeah. So I think we've talked about a lot of these and just kind of summarizing the biggest things that clutter our house for most of us. Books. Books. Let's talk about, let's talk about that. Here's when I decide I love books and my dream one day is to have a bookcase slash library room that has a ladder that slides. Like Beauty and the Beast. I was also going to reference Beauty and the Beast. Yes, just like that where I can kick off the wall and slide down and pick the book. With your basket on your arm to throw them in? Probably won't be singing, probably won't have a basket, but it's. I think it's just really cool. But a few years ago, my elderly neighbors were moving and they had no less than 50 giant boxes of books that I carried from their third floor attic out to their non-attached garage, down all the flights of stairs, out to their garage. And I have never sweated so much in my life, and I had never been so been more devoted to ebooks until after that. And so I love having physical books. I've written about that before. I also love Kindle books, but they're not as good. I like that they're cheaper and sometimes free. But that was when I kind of said, I will not have a million books or I'll just never move, which we've moved a lot. So that hasn't been That's not as much of an option. But yeah, so uh, books. Uh, for people who love books, it's just really hard to let them go. But we just let a lot go. Gave a lot away, got rid of a bunch, stored some, and we're taking some with us. And I think it's a good system in general. I do this with clothes because we talk about how you buy technology the way I buy clothes. And I try to, whenever I buy an item of clothing to get rid of two that I already have so that I'm not just adding more to the pile and I'm actually eliminating more as I go. And then that way, even I just got rid of a black t-shirt I had because it had a small tear and now I can just get a nice black t-shirt rather than keeping this half hold one. But with books as well, it could be when I get a new book, I get rid of two or at least get rid of another one or loan it out to someone just so it's not your bookshelf continuing to accumulate. So technically there will be a point where if you continue to buy things, you will have nothing left if you actually followed your rule. So maybe I don't follow it 100% of the time, but... I like the rule in general. I think it's good. I do try to do that. or One one for one at least. Yeah. It's good. I was going to say, or if I have just gone out shopping and maybe gotten a couple items, I'll try to come home and at least get rid of one or two of them at the minimum. So doing that with clothes and with books... I think it's a good idea. I don't necessarily do that. But you kind of keep a running list of clothes you want to acquire and you keep your eye out for them. Which you find so entertaining. I think that's hilarious. I just have never made a list of like, oh, I really need a pair of jeans or I really need like a black shirt. It's a little more specific, but it can be things like that. Like I'm looking for a black... What's something you're looking for right now? uh, A black scoop neck t-shirt. I had this one from Gap for years that I loved and it got a small, small hole in the armpit, but... I don't sew and it wasn't worth it to me to try and make that happen. And so I'm on the lookout for that. You don't sew because you gave your sewing set away when you were decluttering the house. Did I have a sewing set? No, no, I'm just kidding. But that would be a good example of why we think we would maybe need things. This is true. You didn't ask me though. I sew a little. Shout out to eighth grade home economics. That was when I I sewed a little bit then. You didn't. I I could put a button on something. You have for me I had the proper tools. 
Okay, so getting rid of books, yeah. So, I mean, digital books has made it easier, but I think the thing with books for me is just like, if I'm not going to read or reference this, I need to just let it go. And I'm not really a big fan of expecting people to bring my books back. Mm -hmm. I think it's just kind of an inconvenience. I'm just like, well, what if you don't see me for a while? Am I really going to track you down? So I think if you're not willing to let them go, don't, don't loan them out at all. It's a good principle. So books, we've talked about papers and cards that people have given us, how to digitize those or just let them go. Clothes, food, clearing out the things that we already have in our refrigerator, taking a really good stock evaluation before going to the grocery store, and then also technology. Yeah, that's a hard one for me to let go of things. We all have our weakness, our own area. That's my weakness. But yeah, I have... I feel like I've gotten a little bit better about it. I, again, it's just on the front end, just don't buy stuff you don't need. And we're going to talk about that next. But technology is is my thing. It's what I invest a lot of money in. It's where my largest chunk of personal allowance goes, bar none. And I do have a list of apps that I want to buy. So in defense See? of your clothes list, I don't have Black Scoop Next on my list, but I do have <laughs> things like Hazel for the Mac. But anyway, technology, yeah, I think it's, I think what, can be good about technology is thinking about will I, can I get multiple uses out of this or, or just things like that in general for, yeah. So the one I'm thinking of is we don't have this, but you know, people have DVD players in their cars, you know, for kids to watch or something. And so for me, it's like, well, would it be better to buy an iPad instead of the DVD player for your car? It's probably going to, they're both probably going to cost about the same amount of money. And then the iPad can be used for other things too multi-functional multi-functional i think that's good for just a lot of things in life actually i want to put this in the show notes there's this amazing apartment in new york city that they built that has everything has multiple uses and it's awesome and it made me want to kind of do that with life and i think that that will help with clutter is that if we can have things that get multiple uses out of them or multiple functions that significantly reduces clutter so technology i think the biggest one for that is don't buy it unless you really need it or buy it later because you can spend so much money on it when you're buying the newest, latest thing and that's hard for me and that's it's not good. So true. So I've been kind of harping on this for a little bit. How do we stop acquiring clutter in the first place? Because as the old adage says, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm, I think that might have been Ben Franklin, but I really have no idea. That's a, it's a good question and I think... It really comes down to a heart level and it's really a spiritual issue because in our Western society, this is incredibly prevalent that your possessions are a sign of your status in life. And we live in a society that says you need to own more, you need to have bigger and better of this. And so we're in this constant competition with one another in society for the biggest and the best, keeping up with the Jones mentality. And so I think what it comes down to is really what what are we setting our hearts on? And the Bible talks abundantly about finances and our money and our possessions and what we do with that and to not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. And I've shared before that living with this eternal perspective, as in remembering that this earth isn't our eternal home as people that love and follow Jesus, but that heaven is. And when I have that right perspective, it's easier for me to not get caught up in the products of this world or struggle with materialism because 
I realize that those will be gone and those aren't coming with me and they're not eternal. And so I think it's just checking your heart on why you want something, how much of something else do you have? If you're going into debt for it, it's almost certainly not worth the purchase. And so just really going before the Lord with things. And I don't think it's wrong to buy apps or buy sweaters or black scoop neck t-shirts, but it's just not letting those things become your end all be all and saying, once I finally have this, then I'll be happy. And if we learn to just be content with what we have, where we're at in life, it will make so many aspects of your life easier. And especially in not acquiring as many possessions. Wow. You just, a wisdom bomb just went off. I don't know if everyone heard that, but that was just really good. I think contentment is such a good cure for clutter. If, I, if I'm if i not okay with what I have, I'm not going to be, be okay with more of the same. And I think, yeah, it is. it is can just really be a rat race and we all fall prey to it, I think. And so, yeah, there are certain things where it's like, no, of course it's not bad to, to get things necessarily. But if we're looking for, if we're putting our hope in those things, we're going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. One of my least favorite phrases and concepts is when people talk about retail therapy. Mm. I'm just like, oh man, you got a lot of other therapy you need to go through if you think retail therapy is going to solve your heart problems and the <laughs> things true. that you're discontent with. And we all, we all soothe things in different ways. And even for some people, getting rid of things can be their form of hope. Like Mm -hmm. if I just have a few less things, I'll be happier. If I can just have a a simpler life, you know, and I think we can, we can just lust after these different things that we think will satisfy us in either direction. So aestheticism, Mm -hmm. you know, getting rid of everything isn't going to solve our problems any more than filling our house full of stuff is. Mm -hmm. So we have to just find this balance and I think it's just a really hard balance to find and it's just a question we have to ask ourselves is where is where's having too much and where's having just enough and where's not quite having what we need. You know, it doesn't make sense to just go and get rid of everything you have or go and throw away like 90% of your clothes if you don't have what you need then because you're going to have to go and rebuy them. So that doesn't solve the problem. So I think that's a question you just need to ask on a personal level. I read a book called More or Less and the author kind of talks about that of, you know, where where's the amount that we need and where's what can we do with with the excess then? And we can bless people with the excess, and and we can point people to the Lord with that, and be a blessing to others. But yeah, I think so much of clutter is a front end decision to say, I'm not going to buy this. And I think one thing is just waiting. You know, it's one thing to have a list of things that you're looking for, and not to just go and get it. You know, we all make impulse purchases, and they're not all necessarily bad. If it is something like if I impulse purchase dish soap because we needed it. And even though I didn't, you know, think about it beforehand, that's not bad, but at the same time, or if you get a good deal or, you know, fill in the blank, you know, you're going to use it. But I think really thinking things through and having at least a 24 hour rule, or if you have a certain amount where you, you you know, you talk with your spouse, even if you have personal allowance and you're like, I'm not going to buy anything over 50 bucks unless I talk about it with my spouse, even if it's my own money, you know, just talking things through like that. I think that can be really helpful on the front end of just reducing clutter in your life and, and not looking for contentment in things. I, with a lot of items we look at to purchase too, whether it's clothes, technology, books, home decor, fill in the blank. And we talked about this as far as this question to ask when decluttering your closet. But I think even before you buy a purchase is saying, do I love this? And so many times, even at a younger age growing up shopping, if I thought something was just okay, even if it was a good deal, I would buy it. But 
for me, that just makes no sense. And so now if I don't absolutely love it in the store, because you're never going to love it more than that moment when you're seeing it for the first time and trying it on in the dressing room. And if at that moment I just feel mediocre about it and eh, it's okay, then I just don't buy it. Even if it's a $2 t-shirt, because then it will just sit in my closet and it's not worth it for me at that point. That's good. So one one other question I want to ask is, is simple always better? We've kind of touched on this. And it's something I've just been kind of thinking about a little bit. Like, oh, is, is a simpler whatever always better? Any initial thoughts? The first thing that I think of is our kitchen. Because I love to cook. I love to bake. I spend a lot of time in the kitchen. And so for me, the thought in a lot of ways of having what people would define as a simple kitchen, you know, with maybe very few items or just a couple bowls or spoons that would be more time consuming and challenging for me for the things that I do in the kitchen. So I, I don't have any tools or things in there that I don't use. I use everything that I have, even if it's, you know, once a month or something, but it makes my time much easier. Even things like sharp knives, make it so much easier to prepare dinner and do these things. And it's something for me that is worth it. And I would rather have a well-stocked kitchen because it actually makes my life simpler, even if the kitchen isn't by definition a minimalist kitchen. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. When I think about a simple life, I think about the Amish. So shout out to our Amish listeners. If they are passing by someone who's listening, I can't imagine them. (laughs) actually using a device to listen to a podcast. But if they are, welcome. We're glad you're here. But yeah, they are kind of the definition of a simple life. Like they eschew even things like zippers. They use buttons instead. So I I don't know all the rationale and, and things behind it, but I know a lot of it is just like, you know, the initial impetus for that, I guess, was that they wanted to not let life get in the way of their relationship with God. So that's, you know, that's not true of all people of that lifestyle, obviously, but um, I think in in general, that's a good process of like, yeah, let's not let life get in the way of the most important things. Let's not put, let possessions get in the way of the most important things. But yeah, so simple, I think simple is good in general. It's a good philosophy. We don't want things to be overly complex, but there's a certain degree to which oversimplification makes things more complex. Like if I get rid of my car to simplify my life, but I live in a place where I can't get around with public transportation or a bicycle because it's dangerous or there's, they just don't have it. Like there's not really buses in our area. I, getting rid of my car is a pretty inconvenient thing. It makes my life more complex. So there, there's a certain degree of like, okay, how can I, for me, my philosophy is like, I want my life to be as simple as it can be without overcomplicating things mm-hmm. because it's the paradox of sometimes oversimplifying makes things too complex or just over oversimplification of problems makes things harder to work out. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's hard. I think that in general, I feel like I want to err on the side of simplicity. I think that it's, it's easier. It's less stressful for me, but everyone has to decide how simple can I make it. And there's a network of bloggers called The Art of Simple. Their website is theartofsimple.net. And I first heard about this actually through a book that I found at the library called Organized Simplicity. 
by Tish Oxenrider, who is one of the bloggers at Art of Simple, and she also has her own website, tishoxenrider.com. Just Google her name. It's hard to spell. But when or you, find it in the show notes. Or find it in the show notes. And she talks a lot about that. And I just love the title, The Art of Simple, because you would think simple would be you know, just stripping everything and that's it. But I think there really is an art to it, and that can look different in each of our lives. And so that's a really helpful resource and place to go to find things. She also has a podcast where she talks about not just simplifying your life, but various different topics and has guests on her show. One of her guests was Joshua Becker from Becoming Minimalist. And his website is becomingminimalist.com. And Joshua has a ton of information and really good resources. I just was reading an article in there today about the 10 places to start for de- for simplifying your life. So not just, you know, decluttering your house, but your life. What does that look like? So lots of really helpful information there and just good motivation for you once you are at this place where you're ready to do that or want to get to a place where you're ready to declutter your house. It's a great place to start. One last topic I want to talk about is mental clutter because I think that clutter in the physical sense can really get in the way of the of thinking clearly and of of mental just sharpness. I think that just when you have a ton of stuff around us, a lot of external stimuli, if we're going to get scientific, we're just easily distracted. At least I am. I feel like I can be easily distracted. In general, I try to be a, a pretty focused person. But when I just have a lot of stuff, there's just more distractions. And I think that this has a huge role and a huge implication for our relationship with God, kind of like what we were talking, what I mentioned earlier, as I was talking about the Amish lifestyle, is that when we live a a cluttered life, we're inevitably going to have a cluttered mind. And so how can I live in a way that I can clear my mind and really focus on, on my time with the Lord, on really spending time in his word and and just and really being in tune with his spirit. Yeah, what would you say, Nikki, when you think about just having having a, a simple and a decluttered mind? What are things that help for you? To get there? Yeah, to, to get point? to that point. I think one of the big things that helps me, and specifically with spending time with the Lord, I guess that kind of filters through or infiltrates every area then, because even on days when I'm really busy and I have all these things going on, I will put God aside or say, I don't have enough time for that, but it makes everything else I have to do that day that much more stressful. And I just, I don't feel at a a good spot spiritually or mentally. And so it makes all these other things more difficult. So for me, I, when I am spending time with the Lord, I just try to make that a priority. And for me, that just has to be in the morning before the grind of the day starts to wear on me. And I get sinful and yell at people or get really angry And one thing that helps me that I had to start doing, we talked about this uh, a little bit, you and I, but when I have my Bible, I have to have a post-it pad next to me that because as I'm sitting there trying to read so many times, I'll think of, oh, I need to call this person. I need to run that errand. I need to get this from the store. And then my mind will go down this rabbit trail of all these things that I need to do. And I'm not actually focused on on reading God's word. So I keep a post-it pad next to me and I write that down as I think about it so that later I'm not trying to rack my brain thinking, what was that I, I needed to do? Or I thought of this morning, but now I don't remember and thus being less efficient with my time. But I can just have that and take down any distractions that come and deal with them after I'm done. 
That's super helpful. It's really helpful for me too, just having a little notepad where I just write down things as they come to me. That way I'm not continuing to revisit it as I'm trying to spend time with the Lord. And I think another thing is to just be in a space that's not cluttered, like me being in a a cluttered space. I'm a freak, so I just get really anxious when I'm in spaces like that. So for you, you enjoy going outside and kind of sitting on a chair in our deck to spend time with the Lord. For me, I like being in this little office space we have in our house that is pretty empty, pretty clear, where I can just just sit down and spend time with the Lord. And I think another thing that's just really helpful is just to pray that the Lord would give you focus and to to really unclutter your mind, that you'd leave your burdens at his feet and let him yeah, just kind of carry you through the day, but at the same time, not letting those things weigh heavy on your heart and just, just entrusting them to the Lord. And I think that as we declutter our life in the physical sense, I think in the emotional and spiritual sense that we can become more focused and more sharp and really get to do the things that matter so that clutter isn't, isn't owning us. Mm-hmm. You touched on this earlier, but I think it is important too to not make simplifying your life or decluttering your life an idol or the end all be all, as you said too, because I think we can swing from one end to the other where, Oh, I just need these items and then I'll be happier. Oh, if I just got rid of everything, then I'd be content. And I feel like this summer, God has just really worked on me on that because I have a hard time with the house being in chaos, with everything not being exactly in order. Thank you, mom. We share that similarity. I definitely got that from you. But I feel like I'm just trying to learn, okay, even if the house is chaos, but there's things I need to work on or do, then I just, I leave. I go to a coffee house or I do, I go sit on the porch to just not be around all of it, but then it's not consuming my time and just being okay with things being undone. And knowing that is the story of our life, that there will always be a to-do list. There will always be more you can get rid of, more things you think you need. And as we talked about earlier in the show, a heart of contentment, I think, is where the Lord can best meet us and communicate with us because we're not overwhelmed or thinking these other things need to be in place first, but we're just meeting him where we're at and he meets us where we're at. And that is just a really good place for my heart to be in. Way to go. I agree wholeheartedly. Thank you. That's More wisdom, just overflowing. Stop it. I think we've I think we've walked through this pretty well. I think we've unpacked the the uncluttering, decluttering issue, trying to trying to simplify, not oversimplify, not put our hope in simplification, not put our hope in things, put our hope in the Lord, try and get rid of the things that keep us from that. You can find everything we talked about in our show notes at unpacked.co forward slash the number six. And all of our notes, links to the things that we talked about will be available there. You can find us on Twitter. Jordan is at jshirk. I'm at nshirkman. And we each have a website, our blogs, jshirk.com and nikki, N-I-K-I, shirkman.com. You can email any feedback you have for us, feedback at unpacked.co. Again, we'd love for you to rate us on iTunes five stars. You can do that, unpack.co slash iTunes. We'd love to have your your feedback there as well for others to see, and that would be awesome. That's all we got for today. Thanks for joining us as we talked about uncluttering our lives, decluttering our lives, and simplifying in honor in, in order to, to honor the Lord and, and live in a way that honors Him. For God's glory and for your good, Jordan signing off. For Nikki, thanks for listening to Unpacked.